Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Turn to John 10. We're talking tonight about six ways to check your leadings. Six ways to check your leadings. So realize, first of all, we clearly know, as we've recently taught in this series of Last Day's Survival Guide, how to be led by the Spirit, we also understand clearly that God needs us to be led by the Spirit. But are there ways we can check to know for sure that what we're obviously being led into is a proper direction from God. Yes, there are. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Because how many know you shouldn't just accept whatever you think might be from the Lord as if it's from the Lord? You know, I think about this. Brother Hagin one time in a visitation with Jesus, he's sitting there talking to him. This is when he was teaching him about his authority. That's where the authority of the believer came out of. And so he's sitting there talking to him. And when the Lord appeared, you know, uh, you know, the Lord literally told him about this aspect of dealing with demons and stuff. And he said, you know, Lord, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm told to challenge everything to make sure it's of God. I can't believe that unless you can give me at least three witnesses from the Bible. He said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. And he said, when I asked him that, you would have thought like a lot of people, like you would challenge Jesus. I wasn't challenging him. I was just saying what his word said. And the, he said the, the most inquisitive kind of unique little smile came on his face like he was pleased I asked of that. And he said, I'll give you four. So you need to realize that the Lord truly wants to lead us, but we need to make sure that we know for sure it's him doing so. That we know without a doubt it's direction from God. In John 10, which I love this chapter, it's something I teach on all the time as it relates to pastors and how God gifted you with the shepherd and how you know that. But in John 10, 27, Jesus then, after talking about how to find your shepherd, coming into the place where God wants you to be fed, he then clearly goes on and says over all the aspect of the body of Christ, I'm the good shepherd. I am not trying to take the place of Jesus. I'm doing everything I can to know to help you to walk with him, to get to know him, to walk in what he has for your life. Because I certainly didn't die for you. He did. But in verse 27, he makes this powerful statement. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Now realize in the body of Christ, we have sheep, we have goats, and we have wolves. Now, I know there ain't no wolves in this church right now. I know that. There have been like a couple that have come and gone. But I'm going to tell you right now, there are goats in churches and there are sheep in churches. So this is referencing sheep because the phrase sheep here refers to one who will listen and follow. So what he said is, I have those who will obviously listen and follow me. Therefore, they what? Hear my voice. If they have a desire to, to, to listen and follow what I say, then what are they going to do? They're going to hear my voice. But goats won't. Goats are butting around. Goats eat anything. So see, a, a goat type of a believer is somebody who really is not, in essence, wanting to just submit to Jesus and do what Jesus says. They'll feed on anything. And that's something you and I got to be aware of. But here he said, my sheep, my sheep. I claim I'm one. If you want to walk with Jesus, say, I am, I am one of his sheep. Notice this, say it, I hear, I hear his voice. 
So you need to start claiming by faith, I'm his sheep, I hear his voice. People say, well, I don't hear his voice. Again, God rarely in this context even doesn't speak audibly. Voice just means guidance, direction. Like he clearly reveals to us in context of Romans chapter 8, bearing witness with our spirit. So he says, my sheep hear my voice, notice this, and I know them and they do what? They follow me. Now, isn't that interesting? He said, I know them. I know them. Remember when he talks about in one context of the Gospels, there'll be a time when after he has come and left, there'll be those who say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name. We did all this. He didn't deny any of that. But you know what he said? I don't know you. So they weren't willing to follow his voice. So all I want to make a point out of this verse, first and foremost, is if you have a desire to truly follow after Jesus and in his footsteps, let me help you. You can hear him. I said, you can hear him. He declared it. My sheep hear my voice. On your notes there under the introduction, the first point, again, he stated clearly that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they do what? So if we hear his voice, what are we following? We're following him. We're following him. Go to Proverbs 6 on this other little point at the start here. Go to Proverbs chapter 6 and we'll look at these two verses. This won't be a whole lot of scripture tonight, so uh, it won't be a lot to go through. Proverbs chapter 6 In Proverbs 6 and in verses 21 and 22, 21 and 22, notice this, bind them continually upon your heart, which is actually referring here to your father's commands. Now, it does talk about natural father in verse 20 there, but we clearly know we also have a heavenly father and we should clearly be doing what? Binding his commands or his word upon our heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, guess what they will do? Lead you. When you sleep, they will do what? Keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I want to just throw that extra verse in there. For the commandment is a lamp. God's God's way of speaking to us and revealing through his word or what he wants to reveal to us is what? It's a lamp. It's the path we're to take. And the law is a light. So it also reveals what's ahead. And in the context of that, even reproofs come. But reproofs are, are what? Are reproofs of instruction are the way of life. If we don't receive reproof or correction of what we're doing wrong, we're not going to walk in the way of life. So what should we do with God's word? On your introduction, the second key bullet point, you need to bind them, the word of God, continually where? Upon your heart. If you will bind the word continually upon your heart and tie them around your neck, then when you roam, guess what they'll do? They'll lead you. They'll lead you. Now, how do I bind God's word, uh, continue on my heart and, and tie it around my neck? Just stay full of the word. Just stay full of the word. If you do, when you roam, roam means as you're going through life, not roaming away from God. As you roam through, as you go through life, guess what it will do? It will lead you. Guess what happens when you sleep? Come on. What happens when you sleep? It'll keep you. You know what that means? You'll be able to sleep. Because it'll keep you. A lot of people don't sleep because they get their mind all focused on problems and issues and worries and all that. If you get the word of God bound on your heart and tied around your neck when you sleep, guess what you're going to do? When you lie down, guess what you're going to do? That word's going to help you sleep. When you sleep, they will what? Keep you. When you awake each day, what will they do? They will speak with you. The word of God will speak with you to give you guidance and lead you in direction. Amen? Isaiah 43, you're close by. Just turn over, go ahead from there into the book of Isaiah. Go to chapter 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah is one of the coolest books of the Old Testament. 
Lots of powerful truths in here that God revealed to the prophet Isaiah that truly helps us as well to walk our, in our relationship with God today. So we're going to go through six key points tonight. Let's make sure we understand them. Point number one, what's the first thing we need to know to check our leadings? Question, so these are questions. These are six questions. You should keep these notes with you always in some context in your home somewhere because when you forget about how do I check my leadings, you can go pull it back out and ask yourself these questions. Number one, first question, do I have the plan of God? Do I have the plan of God? You got to make sure that you've got the plan of God. Why? Many plans in a man's heart. The Bible says. You know what that means? Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Turn your neighbor and say, you got many plans in your heart. You know why I know that? Because God said. God said there's many plans in a man's heart. He didn't say just in one type of man or another. No, there's many plans in a man's heart. But the Lord's counsel, His plan, guess what? It'll stand. So that means if I'm not in the plan of God, it ain't going to work very long. It is not going to stand. Now, I'll tell you one thing about God's plans. God almost never does things the way you think he'll do them. Almost never. When God shows you his plan, it is. Uh, this is what Summerall talked about about faith. Can I go there for just a minute? This is what he talked about about faith. He said, you got to realize when you know God's plan, God, I, I just picked up a, a series of messages of his called Faith, the Great Controversy. Faith, the Great Controversy. Like, great controversy? What do you mean? If you walk by faith, guess what you're going to face? Controversy. Faith goes totally contrary to everything in the natural. Context of faith all through the Bible. What God told people to do in relationship to faith, I guarantee you they weren't thinking that way. When Moses came up to the Red Sea, he didn't think part it. When he came up in the desert, no water, he didn't think knock on a rock. Right. Right. Amen? Amen. When, when Daniel faced the lion's den, he didn't think he's going to shut the mouth. You know what Daniel's thinking? I'm going to die, but that's okay because right. I love my God and I'm not going to bow the knee. Right. Right. Daniel's not going that lion's den knowing he's coming out. Right. But you know what Daniel's doing? Trusting his God to know, I don't care, I'm obeying my God, so I'm doing what my God needs. My point is to say nothing ever happens in relationship to faith the way you think. God's plans are not your plans. So you got to understand that if you're truly walking in the plan of God, it's almost always going to go completely contrary to your way of thinking of doing stuff. Because clearly, again, our plans are not what we're after. We're after God's plan. In Isaiah 43, this is how you can know that he wants to reveal his plans to you. Watch this. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I will do a new thing. So anytime God wants to reveal some new plan to your life, guess what he's going to do? Watch this. Now it shall spring forth. Watch, shall you not know it? See, God's not trying to hold anything back from you. He's not trying to hide any kind of plan that he has for your life or what he wants to do. Not at all. He said, shall you what? Underline it. Shall you not know it? Say it. Shall you not know it? Notice this. He said, I will even make a road where? Guess where you don't make roads? Wilderness. Guess where God makes roads? Wilderness. I'll make a road in the wilderness and I'll even make rivers where? Guess where you don't make rivers? Normally, you don't find desert. Guess where God makes rivers? See, God always does things in a way that we don't expect. In a way that we don't obviously understand. But that does not mean I don't need to know God's plan for my life. You do. You do. You, the thing about, here's the kind of a separation factor with knowing God's plan. God's plan doesn't mean you know how he's going to do it. 
I, I got to know his plan. I know his plan for me. I know his plan that he wants me to pastor. I know his plan that he wants me to get back involved with the Western world. I know his plan that he also wants me to start getting more refocused on doing some discipleship trainings. He also wants me to get focused more on five-fold ministry, uh, things that I'm putting together. I have a book now he's speaking to me about writing that he began to give to me and show me as I began to put this together. So I know God's got a lot of plans to do all this stuff. I just don't know how all he's going to do that. My part isn't to figure out how he's going to do it. Listen carefully. My part is to know his plan. If I know his plan, I have to obey him day by day, just like you, to get to the end of that plan. You don't look at the plan and then start trying to figure out every step of how to get there. Because now you're going into your plans of what you think of how you should get there. All you need to know is know the plan. See that, see that picture back there on the wall? Everybody turn around, look at that picture back on the wall. See that back there? Guess what that is? God's plan. How are we going to get there? I don't know. And I don't care. I know that's the plan. I knew that was the plan almost roughly 20-something years ago when I got a, a prophecy from Pastor early on uh, from the Lord through Dr. Barclay. You go build me a house and put my name on it. And from that day, I just always knew I was not going to wind up with the facility, even though I looked for some. And obviously then knew I was out of God's will because that's not what he told me to do. You go build me a house. You go build me a house, a building, and put my name on it. And I've had other prophecies since then. But I'm just here to tell you I've always known the plan. Well, that was 20-something years ago. Anybody have any idea how long God spoke to Abraham before uh, Isaac was born? Almost 100 years. You got to understand to some degree, context of when he first began to speak to him. I'm sorry, 25. I apologize. He was almost 100 years old. He, he began to speak like 20 plus years before Isaac ever came about. In his life. Early. I mean, early. So understand, once you know God's plan, don't get hung up on how it's going to happen. Can I get a better amen? What's my focus? Know God's plan. And then do everything you can each day to walk in obedience to what God wants you to do to carry out that plan. Amen? Sorry for the mix-up on the age and the time frame. But the point I'm making is you got to make sure I've got God's plan. 1A, God will not surprise or trick you. No, he just said, will you not know it? So he's not going to surprise you or trick you. He wants you to know it. He wants you to know what, the, what obviously he has planned for your life. What does he have planned for your marriage? What does he have planned for your kids? What does he have planned for your business? What, do you, what does he have planned for your job? What, is he, what does he have planned for your uh, ministry at the church? What does he have planned for you outside of the church? He got plans. Yeah. Say, God's got plans. Well, guess what? He'll reveal them. Shall you not know it? So, 1A, God's not going to surprise you or trick you. No, he wants you to know it. 1B, notice this, whether in the desert or in the wilderness, know that God will get his plan to you. He will get it to you. He will get it to you. Make roads in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Doesn't matter what's going on, where you're at in your life and whatever situation you're in. God can make his plan known to you. Now realize he can't do that if we're not seeking to know what his plan is. So we're not talking here tonight about how to seek to know his plan. You should know to pray and seek to know God's plan. We're talking about how do I know if I'm being led by God? Am I on the right path? Number one, ask yourself this question. Do I have the plan of God? What if I don't? I'd start seeking him. I'd start seeking him. What do we do at the first of every year? Do a three-day fast. What's that all, what's that all about? Find out God's plan. What does God want me to do this year? What does God want from me? So if you don't take the time to find out God's plan, 
I guarantee you, you're going to have a tough time walking in what God desires for your life. Amen? Amen. God's a planner. Yes, he is. He's a planner. He planned Jesus' birth years and years and years before it ever happened. Hey, he planned your existence before you were ever even around. Yes. Amen? He planned that building before I ever found the plans for it. So I'm just telling you, God's a good planner. And we need to know, number one, do I have the plan of God? Say it out loud. Do I have the plan of God? So to check my leadings, i got to know whether i got his plan or not. Is it his or just mine? So when you seek to know God's plan, you got to ask yourself the question. Number one, do I even have a plan? And then number two, is it his plan or is it just mine? you got to know it's his. you got to know it's his. Go to Romans 12. you got to know what God's plan is for your life. And clearly, as I've taught you in these teachings, this is not to go in-depth in all these areas to explain how to do that. Those are different teachings. How to seek God's plan? You go to the Word, you pray, you talk to God, you listen to your spirit, you follow the inward leading, you get a knowing of what you believe God wants you to do, you start talking it out. If you have a peace about it, as you continue to talk that out and think about it, the further you go, the more confirmation you get by the Holy Spirit that's right, boom, now you know I got God's plan. But now I got to know, I got to obey him each day to, to walk out what he wants me to do to see that plan come to pass. Because it's amazing how you'll look back on different things that happen in your life and stuff and how, wow, God had a plan. God had a plan. Amen? But we're not supposed to not be aware of that plan. We need to know. Amen? Amen. All the SMTI students, five Ps, please. How can you plan if you don't have one? You can't. Romans chapter 12. Say, i got to know God's plan. So you need to ask yourself the question, do I have the plan of God? Not mine, but is it truly God's plan? So that leads to the second question. If it is God's plan, you got to know this. Notice this, question number two. Do I know the will of God? Because clearly if it's his plan, it's not going to be out of line with his will. It'll be in line with his will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing of your mind that you may do what? Prove, prove what is the, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So verse 1, you got to present your body as a living sacrifice, meaning what? You have to stop letting your flesh rule you. You have to choose by a choice of will to submit yourself to what you know God's Word says and what your spirit directs you to do in line with God's Word. You've got to become spirit-led. If you do that, you present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, I want to emphasize the phrase living sacrifice. Sacrifice, meaning what? It won't be without pain. You understand? If you get your way, then your flesh is gratified. If you don't get your old carnal fleshly way, I guarantee you what? It's going to throw a fit. It's not going to like it. But you got to be willing to do what? Sacrifice what my flesh wants for what God wants. And then I start doing what? I start not being conformed to the world. I start being transformed through the renewing of my mind. I'm being transformed into who God made me to be. And therefore proving out in my life what his will for my life was. So if I ask the first question, do I have God's plan? And I think I do. I go to question number two. These are all progressive in nature. 
So I go to question number two. Second question, now do I know the will of God? Because even though I have what I think is God's plan, how will I know if I don't know for sure it's in line with God's will? So I got to make sure I know God's will in that situation. If I don't know God's will in that situation, I got to find out to make sure the plan I think I have that's of God is in line with God's will. So 2A, God's will is revealed to us as we do what? Renew our mind to his word. Clearly, because we know, as we've talked about, the only way we can know the difference between what's of the flesh and what's of God is the Word of God. It's the divider. To be, so once our mind has been renewed, we have the ability to do what? Prove Prove His will. So I have a question. How do you renew your mind? And by the way, what do you renew your mind to? Well, the Word of God. No, be more specific. What do you renew the mind to? Tell you what you renew the mind to, who you now are. You start renewing your mind to the new man on the inside. Who God says you are. What God says you can have. And what God says you can do. You don't, I understand it. We renew our mind to the word of God. But not just the whole of the mind. Okay, go renew your mind to Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That ain't going to help you. Because that's not obviously true as it relates to God. It did happen in Job's life. But it wasn't God that did it. Job said it out of ignorance. So we don't just renew our mind. I get your point. We don't, but we don't just renew our mind. I'm, I'm more specific on this. We don't just renew our minds to the word of God. What do we renew our minds to? The new us. The new man who God made us to be because we're to live our lives from the inside out. So my next question then becomes, how do you renew your mind? So we begin first and foremost by the teaching of the word reading of the word, fellowshipping with God, and as Brandy just said, meditating on those truths. This is how mind renewal begins. But guess what? Mind renewal is not complete. You ready? Mind renewal is not complete. Man, Lester Summerall was good on this teaching. Mind renewal is not complete until you start acting on the word. You start living out that new man. You start living in the lifestyle of that new man of what God says you can do. When you do, now you've renewed your mind. So if I hear the word preached, I read the word in fellowship with God, and I meditate on the word, like Brandy said, because you've got to chew on it, right? You don't just get it in one swallow. You chew on it. And if I start doing it, remember what Joshua 1.8 says? If I meditate on the word, I do so to do what? I meditate on it that I might know to do according to all that it says. Then I will make my way prosperous. Then I will have good success. So you got to live out that word as you begin to see that new man. When the new man is revealed into your heart about the word of God from the scriptures, that he is a forgiving man, he's a loving man, he is a man who walks in peace and walks in joy, then when obviously you're in a situation where you don't really want to walk in love and you really don't want to walk in peace and you want to fight and strive, guess what you do? You say, "Uh uh-uh, no, I've renewed my mind to the word, I choose love. So you haven't fully renewed your mind unless you act out what the word says. You can't just renew your mind to know what it says in your head. The purpose is to start living it with your life. So as it relates to any plan God has for you, you got to know and go to the Word of God and renew your mind to what is God's will and what is not. Because every aspect of the plan of God, although maybe not directly spoken of in the Bible, you can relate from the Scriptures how to know if that's God's will or not. Okay? I'll give you one example. Does not the Bible say wisdom is the principal thing? Therefore, get wisdom. Does the Bible say that? It does say that. What if I want to buy a home that's beyond my means? 
You know what the Bible, oh, this is the plan of God. I just know somehow the money's going to come. This is what God wants me to buy. I don't have the money, but I'm going to go ahead and try to get the loan for it anyway and try to have this new home that I believe God wants me to have. Well, the Bible says wisdom's a principal thing, so is it really wisdom to actually go into a debt that you don't even have the money to pay for? Not at all. Not at all. So you got to understand clearly that would not be the will of God. That's just a simple example, but that's why we got to know the word. Say, I got to know the word. So second question, do I know the will of God? So let's say I've got God's plan. Say, I got God's plan. I've confirmed it's the will of God. Say, I've confirmed it. What do I do now? Number three, do I know the timing of God? Hebrews chapter 10. Do I know the timing of God? Because how many know not everything's instantaneous? Much of what God reveals to us that is of his plan, he prepares us way ahead of time. Way ahead of time. So why are we here, Pastor, 20-something years after the first word you were given to build a house for God? I can tell you 20-something years ago, I couldn't have believed for that kind of money. That's a fact. You can say what you want. But you know what? Faith comes by the blade. Come on. Then the ear. Then the full grain in the ear. Then you start harvesting. So when I've, over these years been able to see and believe God for more money and believe God for more money and believe God for more money, for more projects, more things we do and watch God's faithfulness, my faith has been rising. My faith has been growing. So some of this, you got to know the timing of God because guess what? Even you can have the plan of God, know it's the will of God, but what if you're not there faith-wise yet? Then it's not his time yet. Now, it doesn't mean the plan changes. Right? But you got to know, based on his timing, am I ready for this? Am I ready? If I'm not, guess what I need to do? I need to start preparing myself. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. What's that word confidence mean? Bold confession of the word. Do not cast cast away your bold confession of the word because it has what? Tell me. So, verse 35, as we learn in our faith teaching, how many love that faith teaching we had on Sunday morning? In our faith teaching, we found out that bold confession is doing what with the word I've heard? It's watering it. It's watering it. Because faith is like a seed. The kingdom of God functions totally on seed principles, and so does faith, and faith has to grow like a mustard seed. Verse 36, for you have need of what? Tell me. Tell me, please. I want to make sure you're on the same verse with me. Look at verse 36. You have need of? Say it out loud. Endurance. Guess what? If God says you have need of endurance, you know what you know he needs? You know know what he knows you need? Endurance. Endurance. If you want to see the plan of God come to pass, you got to have what? Endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, walk this out the way God said, you'll receive what? You may receive the promise. Verse 37. For yet a little while, even referring to his coming, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by what? Faith. Faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So understand, verse 36, you got to know the timing of God as well in relationship to what you're dealing with. Do I know the timing of God? Does God want me to start exercising my faith for this now? So I'm going to start exercising my faith for a million bucks now. I really can't have an honest uh, opinion of myself to say I've got enough confidence to believe for a hundred, but I believe God's plan is for me to do this. It's going to cost a million bucks, so he must, he must want me to believe for a million bucks. You can't even believe for a hundred yet. So you got to know the timing. The reason this is important, because what if you're trying to believe for something above and beyond where your faith is? It's not going to come to pass. 
Guess what you're going to do? You're going to start letting Satan convince you, I guess that wasn't God's plan. It didn't come to pass. This is why you got no timing. Because you got to know, am I where I need to be? If I'm not, I need to get myself there. Right? I, God can, God, all through the Bible, man, God revealed plans to people way before they ever came to pass. He began to prepare them for that so when the time came, they were ready. So you got to understand there's timing involved even as it relates to us walking it out. 3A, you got to place your confidence in the enduring substance of faith, which is just trusting in God. So if you've got the plan, you know it's his will, hasn't come to pass yet, what do you do? You keep doing what scripture says to do to place your confidence in the substance, enduring substance of faith. So what do I do? What did that very first, uh, verse, verse 35 tell you to do? Don't cast away your bold confession. So you keep declaring what God said. You keep saying it over and over and over and over again. Amen? Because what are you doing again? You're watering seed. You're watering seed. So you got to understand that my, my placing of my confidence in this enduring substance of faith, trusting in God, has to do with my confession. If I know God's plan, I know it's his will, but it hasn't happened yet, guess what? i got to know there's timing involved, so what's my part in the process? Don't sit down and do nothing. Start boldly confessing what God has said. Any amens on that? 3B, you got to be patient. That's endurance. Now listen, patience, and I've taught you this. What is the Bible definition for patience? Huh? Consistency. When the Bible says to be patient, it doesn't mean sit down and wait for God to do something. You know what it means? You stay consistent. Don't cast away your bold confession. Meaning what? Stay consistent in it. Don't do it for a while and then quit. You listening? You have need of endurance. You have need of consistency. So be patient, learn to crawl, then walk, then run. You don't run first. Any of you had babies and they just jumped up and took off running? You brought them home? Brought them home from the hospital? Set them on the floor? Boom, there they go. Just, just took off and you're chasing them? Anybody? What did they do first? Crawl? Then what did they do? Start walking? How excited were you when they started walking? Look, baby's taking their first step. Woo, look at them go. And then they start doing what? Running. Now you're like, man, they need to go back to crawling. <laughs> They're going everywhere. They're wearing me out. So there is a process to go through. I said there's a process to go through. So if I know God's timing and I stay consistent in my faith, I move to question number four. Ready? Are you still here tonight? Do I know what part prophecy has to play? Because you may have some prophetic utterances about what you're believing God for. You may not. You don't have to have them. If you know the will of God and the word of God, you don't have to. But you can involve this question. Go to 1 Timothy. You should ask yourself this question. What part, if any, would prophecy play in this, that I'm, this plan that I'm believing for God? See, when it comes to this building, it plays a part with me. And I'm going to show you, it doesn't mean you have to have this, but I'm going to show you when you have prophecy about something you know is a part of God's plan, it's a powerful weapon against the time frame that you're going through of warfare until you get there. Prophecy can help you wage a good warfare. 
Prophecy can help you press through the challenging times, the difficult times when you don't think it's going to happen. You keep speaking it, you keep confessing it, but you know what can be a, a powerful weapon to you through the process of that time? Prophecy can. So you need to ask yourself this question, do I know what part prophecy has to play? So individually, how would that apply, Pastor? Do you have a, pro a prophetic word that goes in line with what you know is God's plan for your life? If you do, you should never lose sight of that prophecy. If you got it audibly, you ought to hear it over and over and over again. I'm so grateful for part of the technology we have today. Because with the technology we have today, on my phone, I have every prophecy ever given to me. Every prophecy that was audibly recorded. I put them together. I put them in one part of my phone. I, go to those, I literally go to those prophecies consistently. And I just play them over and over and over again. Then after a while, I won't listen to them for a while. And then after a while, I'll go back and I'll start playing those prophecies again. And I'll listen to them again. What part does prophecy have to play in the plan of God for your life? So if you have a prophetic word in your life, let's find out what part that would play to see that plan come to pass. Amen? How would we utilize that? Uh, good question. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul told Timothy, this charge, this charge or command, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies. So this wasn't one prophecy. He had multiple prophecies given to him of what he was to do with his life. I commit to you, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Now why do we say previously made? They haven't come to pass yet. They haven't happened yet. Concerning those prophecies previously uh, given to you, notice this, that by them you may wage the what? Good the good warfare. Now, most of these he's referring to seriously had not come to pass yet. Some could, and I'll show you how prophecy plays a role in that as well. Look at verse 19. Having faith and a good conscience. Underline that. Having faith and a good conscience. Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. Meaning what? They're not in faith anymore. Where are they at? Stranded. They're not moving towards the plan. Amen. You listening? Amen. They're now shipwrecked. They're now stuck. Why? Because they've gotten out of faith. They've gotten out of faith. So I want you to see this. If you have prophecy, anybody here have any prophecies about plans you know God's given you for your life? Raise your hand up high. Let me see you. All right. So what you need to do if you haven't done it, if they are given in a context that somebody wrote it down for you, you need to have somewhere you keep that close by. This is, a, this is a battle tool for warfare when stuff gets tough. And you don't want to be trying to figure out where's that prophecy. You listening? A, 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 a warrior goes to battle. He doesn't lay his weapons down and put them away somewhere where he doesn't know they are. And all of a sudden the battle comes like, oh, where's my weapons? No, he keeps them near him. Prophecy's a great weapon. So if you have it in written form, you should keep it in a small version somewhere in your Bible, somewhere close by. You need to know where it's at. If you got an audible form with today's technology, even better, put it on your phone. I don't know how to do that. Ask your kids, they'll show you. Or ask some young kid and they'll show you. But get it on your phone. Because guess what? When, when, this, is a, this is so critically important. You don't know how many times the devil's tried to mock me over this building. You don't know how many times the devil's tried to mock me and make me feel belittled, knowing how to get at me from my past, and make me feel belittled at what I do as a pastor. Or what I do as a minister. But you know what I do? I pull up the prophecies. Amen. I said, so Satan, just for your remembrance. Right. I know you've heard them before because I've played them out loud. Let me just play this again. 
Let me, let me tell you what my God said. Amen. See, there are great strength as you're going towards God's plan. Great strength. Now, let me help you. I had prophecies given to me that I was to be a pastor before I started pastoring. I had one given to me the first time I ever stood and gave a testimony. That I would be a minister of God. I'd be a minister of the word. That came from Donna Huffman. Little did she know how accurate she was. And then later on, after becoming a pastor, I had prophecies. Listen, I'm already a pastor. I had prophecies to confirm that I'm in the plan of God. So in some cases, you can get a prophecy of something that you're already doing. But those prophecies are still a great strength. You know why? Because Satan's going to try to get you to stop doing them. And you can pull out those prophecies and say, let me remind you, Satan, what God's told me. It ain't about what I say. This is what God said. Let me tell you what God said. Let me just remind you in case you don't don't know it or hadn't hadn't heard it or you've forgotten. Let me just remind you what God said. So prophecies are a great strength. You've got to learn in the plans of life when you do have prophetic words, what part do they play? Warfare. They, they 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 play a great part in giving you strength to get through the battles of times that you want to quit. For A, prophecy helps us battle the warfare that comes against us. Why? It's a word from God. How do I know it's a word from God? Did it bear witness with your spirit? Yes. Did it go in line with a plan God had for you? Yes. You know, in today's times, God's almost never going to give you a word, something you don't already know. No. Prophets today, Dr. Barclay, I'll tell you, we're not here to prophesy your future, what you're doing. You don't even know about it. We're speaking words that are confirming in your heart what God's already revealed to you. Just lining up with what you already know in your heart God's already said. Now, you don't go looking for those words because if you do, the devil will oblige you. If he knows you're on the wrong path, he'll just keep leading you that way. I've never looked for a word for God. How many of you, I mean, young, you kind of wish to get one, right? I'll never forget, I was going to ministry school, Mayor's Road Ministry School, and they brought in for like several weeks a true prophet of God. I knew about him, I'd heard about him, great man of God, walks with God. And of course, almost in every class time, God would begin to speak to him about students right, in the time frame that he was there, like two weeks. And so we go through the whole first week, no prophecy. I'm like, bummed. Come on, God, I need a prophecy. So you got to be careful about this. you got to be careful about this. So after that first week, I began to think about what I knew about prophecy, what I knew people taught me. I said, you know what, Lord? I don't need to hear a prophetic word. I don't need one. I know I don't. I know what the word says. I know I'm here learning. I know I'm growing. I apologize for wanting to have a word from God. I guarantee if you want to have a word from God, he'll not likely speak to you. And if somebody does, it probably ain't God. So I just said, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that. So I laid that down. By the end of the next week, I didn't even care anymore. I was just, I was, instead of waiting for a prophetic word, I'm just, you know, eating up on his teaching about things he was teaching about, the prophetic uh, gift of the day, how that fits in the church, etc. So I'm just trying to learn everything I can. And like the second to last day, might have been the last day, all of a sudden he calls me out and he stands me up. This guy's never seen me in my life. He looks at me and said, the Lord tells me that you know a good horse when you see one. Yeah. (laughs) He also tells me that relates to your life spiritually. You know a true believer from a false one. And God's giving you this gift because you're called to be a shepherd. And a shepherd has to know the difference. Because if you don't, son, you'll waste all your time on people that don't want to change. That was not recorded in those classes. I wished it was. 
And I didn't have anybody write it down, but I remember the gist of it, and I've never forgotten, and I've wrote the basics of it down. And all it was to do at that time, which was a great strength in my life, was to confirm I'm doing what God called me to do. That's why when you look at things, son, it's absolutes to you. There's no gray with you. You you know a good horse when you see one. You know a good horse, bad horse. You know it. And obviously, just like people, you can tell. When you look at a person, you know in relationship to that individual. I don't mean like God's trying to reveal something to me about you. I'm just saying of who you need to focus on and who you don't. And that's true of a pastor when it comes to the Word. That's why you see things in black and white. A pastor is gifted to teach the Word, to give you knowledge and understanding, because to him, it's all black and white. If it's gray matter and it's it's not very clear in the Bible, we don't go there. God didn't want us to know. If he would have, he'd have made it black and white. The Bible's really simple the more you learn it. That's why Jesus said, you come like a little child, you can enter into the things of the kingdom. It's not complicated. I said, it's not complicated. So for me, everything's black and white. And when you try to deal with people on black and white, you know what I learned? I learned something pastors been saying to me for years and years and years and years as a minister. Jesus is the least popular person on the planet. Don't kid yourself. He is not the most popular person. Really never has been. Never has been. Well, when he's here, a lot of people followed him. When he got down to the nitty gritty and said, you got to eat my body and drink my blood, guess what? They all left him. Why? He's not popular speaking truth. He was popular feeding them supernaturally. He was popular healing them. You listening? Brother Sumbrall said, I'm going to tell you the number one thing I have been attacked about in my life more than anything else you can name, walking by faith. Every denomination has kicked me out of their church because I'm a faith man. Because I walk by faith. You can see miracles, signs, and wonders, and people want nothing to do with you because you walk by faith and see those things happen. Many in the church. So you got to understand something, folks. When you walk with God, realize these prophecies can be a great strength to your life to help you continue to go forward in what God has for your life. 4B, notice this. Prophecy also does what? It helps us to hold on to faith and maintain a good conscience about the direction we're going. Think about that statement. Read it again. Prophecy does what? It helps us hold on to faith. What are we talking about? Knowing that we're checking our leadings and carrying out the plan of God. So we get to this fourth question. This is a part of what prophecy helps me to do. It helps me to do what? Hold on to faith and maintain a good conscience about the direction I'm going. Because if I know what God has said, then I have, in my, and my spirit bears witness with it, I maintain a good conscience about the direction I'm going. Verse 19, notice again, having faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected. So Timothy, wage a good warfare by these prophecies given you, having faith in a good conscience. What Paul just said was, these prophecies have been spoken to you. You know they're of God. Keep your faith on them. And therefore, through these prophecies, know, have a good conscience, have a good knowing on the inside, I'm going the right direction. I'm doing what God called me to do. So prophecy can help you with that. Isn't that awesome? Fifth question to ask then, do I know about God's confirmation? Do I know about God's confirmation? Mark 16. 
So as it relates to things that obviously I know that I'm doing in relationship to God, no, they're not always instant. No, things don't always come to pass, rarely do, when he starts revealing plans to you. But do I also know and understand about God's confirmation? Meaning what? If God did direct me to do something, tell me to do something, and I get in, I get in faith and stay in faith and walk it out, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get confirmed. There will come a confirmation. He wouldn't give me that, that plan without him wanting it to come to completion. Now, if I get out of faith, I could hinder that plan. But if I stay in faith, how many know there's going to come a time of confirmation? So, Mark 16, 19 and 20, notice this. After the Lord had spoken to them, raised from the dead, he was received up where? Into heaven. Into heaven. And he sat down where? Do you know you sat down with him? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. See, I sat down with him. Yeah, you're one spirit with the Lord. We sat down with him. 20, notice this. And they went out and preached everywhere. So they obeyed the, the heavenly vision. They obeyed the plan of God. What was the plan of God for them? Go proclaim the gospel. Go tell people the gospel. Take the gospel into all the world. What, what you realize about Jesus' life, I talked about this the other night, and the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me, said, you didn't complete that the other night, so I'll complete it. What did Jesus do? He went about, remember? Preaching. 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 Healing. So here's the, but this is what I didn't finish. What did he teach on? What, what is it that he taught on? The kingdom. His teaching was based on the kingdom. The gospel's not teaching. That's proclamation. What did he teach on the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, how the kingdom functions, how the kingdom works? So you can understand when you come into this kingdom, you'll know how it functions, you'll know how it works. So understand our ministry is the same as believers to go into the world and do what? Teach the kingdom. But in the case of Jesus, he didn't have anybody born again yet. He had to teach these things to his disciples. Should we teach unbelievers the kingdom principles of God? No, they're not going to receive them. What do we do? We just preach to them. And preaching is proclamation. What are, we pro what are we proclaiming? The good news. What's the good news? Guess what? You may be separated from God. You might be uh, clearly bound by the, by the very uh, sinful nature that's in you. But I got good news. <clears throat> Say it. I got good news. So Jesus went around everywhere telling the disciples. He said, now you go and preach the kingdom. What did he tell them to say? The kingdom's here. Why? Because he was here. What's the kingdom? Dominion of the king. Was Jesus here when he told him that? So he's telling the truth. The dominion of the king is here. Why? Because I'm here. Guess what? Now that you're born again, every time you show up somewhere, guess what shows up? Dominion of the king is here. But the gospel is the actual uh, good news of what God does in relationship to salvation to get people born again. And when people hear about the kingdom, that he loves them, he wants to touch them, help them, and understand the gospel message as it relates to salvation, they can even receive healing. Pretty awesome. So again, number five, do I know about God's confirmation? They went out, verse 20, and preached everywhere the Lord doing what? Tell me. Watch this. The Lord working with. Now, notice the word them is italicized. It really does an injustice to this verse of what the heart of what this verse says. Because he's really not working with us. He's working with the word. How do we know? Read the verse. They went out and preached. They went out and did what? Preach. Preached everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming the word. Yes. Wow. Working See, he's not working with us because it's not us doing the work. We're just letting him flow through us by speaking the word. What's he working with and confirming? He watches over his word to perform it. Yeah. 
Now, that's important to know because guess what? You could do nothing of yourself. You don't need to worry about God working with you. All you got to do is get the word out there and you just, you just gave God something to work with. What does he do? He'll work with and confirm the word through the accompanying signs. If you know God's plan and you know what God's told you, well, guess what? God knows that you can recognize that there will come confirmation of this because as long as I stay in faith, come on, church, as long as I stay in faith, as long as I keep doing what God directs me to do day by day in relation to that plan, you know what he's going to do along the way of the process? He's going to keep confirming that word through different signs. Can I get a better amen? So in relationship to example, we got a prophecy uh, from Dr. Barclay. I know even Don's seen this as well, but I'll never forget. I mean, I can see it clear as day. Pastor called me up. He was done preaching. I got to right about here. Pastor was going to sit down. He was right there and he stopped and he turned and he faced me and he said, the Lord just spoke to me to tell you he is going to hook up people with this vision for the church that aren't even a part of this church, but they're going to want to help and do it. And you're going to see some people do that. We've already seen that happen. What's God doing? Confirming. He's confirming. So do you know about God's confirmation? Meaning what? You stay in faith. You'll see some confirmation along the way in the completion of what comes to pass. Aren't you glad? 5a, when we go about to preach, proclaim the Lord, what does he do? Now, that also involves your personal life. Not just preaching to others because as it relates to God's plan, what are you supposed to be doing? Proclaiming over your life what God said. If you're proclaiming God's word over your life as to what God said, you're giving him something to work with. 5b, the Lord Jesus then confirms the word that we preach or proclaim with what? Signs, manifestations, and demonstrations of the power by his spirit. Last one. Last question you need to ask yourself. A lot of people want to leave this one off. Number six, do I know to depend upon church leadership? Do I know to depend upon church leadership? Hebrews 13. Why? Because God gave you leadership to protect you from crashing and burning by going a wrong direction of something that is not a plan of God. In which that could cost you dearly. And in some cases, it even cost people's lives. I remember uh, Brother Hagen weeping over a minister that he had relationship with that he was a senior minister to. And the Lord said, I want you to go tell this guy, if he don't correct his diet and his words, he's going to die. He's going to die because he's hurting his body and I can't stop it. He will die. And I forget within a certain period of time. And he said, you know what? The guy didn't receive my correction. And you know what happened? He died. Did God kill him? No. God knows all things. He knew this man was setting himself up for death. Why? Wouldn't change the way he was eating. Wouldn't change the way he was living. You think he just eat anything? No. Like Dr. Summerall says, you know, if you lived in one of these foreign lands where they have no food, you'd see life a whole lot different. He said, here in America, most people are all about their belly. They're just waiting for the next meal to stuff down some more food and they can't ever seem to get enough. But I'm going to tell you right now, he said a lot of us could live with a whole lot less food than what we have. Just quoting Dr. Summerall. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Summerall. So you got to understand as it relates to church leadership, that leadership is involved as well in helping you to, to carry out God's plan for your life. Hebrews 13, 17. I didn't put this in the Bible. Jesus did. 
obey, God did, obey those who rule over you. Now, if you look up this phrase, rule over you, it literally refers in the Greek language to those who are anointed by God to lead you. So this is talking about fivefold ministry. And primarily, directly, more than anything else in your life, a shepherd, because that's the one you're going to see week in and week out. Obey those. Do what now? Tell me again. Obey Obey those who rule over you. Who said that? God did. What if I don't obey those who rule over me? You may not carry out God's plan for your life. Obey those who rule over you and be what? Be submissive. Have a submissive attitude about you. Submissive heart about you. Why? Because they, those leaders, what are they doing? They're watching out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so. Give that day of account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be be unprofitable for you. Leadership has a part to play. Now, obeying your leadership... Are there people that have carried that far beyond what the Bible said and you just do whatever your pastor says? Well, we want to paint our house brown. No, you paint it green. That's stupid. Why, who, who would care what you paint your house? Uh, we're going to buy this car. Nope, you need to buy this car. Your pastor has no involvement in those personal decisions in your life. We're talking about spiritual things here. Spiritual things. So understand clearly God does have leadership in your life to do what? Help protect you. Help protect you from going the wrong way. What do I first need to do to be able to obey that uh, Hebrew 13, 17 verse. Know in my heart that I found my shepherd. I don't tell you that. I don't tell you whether I'm him or not. God tells you whether, whether I'm him or not. But once you know and you know that you know, now you're going to be held accountable to did I honor Hebrews 13, 17 in accordance with that shepherd. A lot of people have accused me of trying to use these verses as a way to try to force people not to leave the church. Uh, it hadn't worked. If that was really true, hasn't worked. Or nobody would have left. No. How many times you heard me stand in this pulpit and say time and time again, if I'm not your shepherd, go find your shepherd. But if you know I am, you better watch out because the devil doesn't want you connected to your shepherd. I'll give you a Terry Mize quote who's been many places around the world. If there was no devil, it would not matter where you went to church. Wouldn't make no difference where you go. If there wasn't a devil, wouldn't matter. But there is one. So obeying your leaders, 6A, obey your church leaders. What does that mean? What does that mean to obey my church leaders? Clearly, in relationship to what we know Scripture teaches, it's not talking about doing anything they ask you to do that they can't back up with the Word. But you realize a lot of times when you're doing something wrong and they bring the Word to you, you don't want to hear that if if you like what you're doing. So you got to ask yourself the question, are you, trying to, are you trying to twist Scripture to make it fit what you want it to say so you can keep doing what you want to do? How many times people come to me for counsel and I just go to the Word and I say what the Word says and they don't really want to hear that. They want me to say what they want me to say. And I just can't do that. I'm going to give an account. I can't do that. You may not hear what I have to say, but I'm going to give an account. And Paul told this to young Timothy as a pastor. You be instant in season and out of season. Whether it's received or not, you just speak what the Word of God says. So if I know that I'm not trying to twist the Scriptures to make it fit my lifestyle, and I have a heart to do what God's plan is for my life, I have to obey my church leaders as it relates to the Word of God because all they're doing is trying to protect my life. And in truth, therefore, am I really obeying my leader? No, you're not. You're obeying the Word of God. 
You're obeying the word of God. 6B, to do this, you got to do what? You got to submit to your leaders. Now, I'm going to tell you what Dr. Barclay says, proven all through, all through history of the Bible and even in society today. Submission is never lateral. Submission is up. Right. It's always to higher authority above you. People that walk out what they're saying above you. That's always been the case in all the Bible and all the history of humanity. Amen. The Bible says be subject one to another. That, that's, that subject one to another is not submission. Submission's upward. Right. That's subject. Subject yourselves to one another. Be submitted to leaders over you. For the gardening of your life. So you have to have a heart of submission. Meaning what? Well where does submission come from? The heart. And if you don't have a heart to submit. Then your flesh will get what it wants. And you won't agree with the Bible. Isn't it interesting? I, it's sad to me. It breaks my heart to see how many people came into the church. Learned the word. Loved it. Started living it. Started walking it out. And all of a sudden changed their lifestyle. And now all of a sudden. Well I don't believe, I don't believe that anymore. Well the Bible didn't change. It worked for you then. You know why? Because it's God's word. But now you want me to change what the Bible says for you? I can't do that. Right. I won't do that for me. Right. 6C, notice this, they watch over your what? Soul. If they're gifted and called by God as a leader, they know in relationship to your soul, mind, will, and emotions of the things that you're getting off to in the flesh or whether or not you're doing what Scripture teaches. Right. That's, that, that's that you know a good horse thing again. Right. You know. 6D, they guard your spiritual welfare. That's what they're there to do. What do you do, pastor, if you see somebody in the church that you know, or you, or you, or you pick up on it, you already know they're going the wrong direction, they're saying wrong things, doing wrong things, whatever. What do you do? Do you go to them? No, I pray for them first. Because especially if it has to do with their personal life, I'm not permitted to get involved in your personal life unless you come to me for help. Now, if you get caught into sin, I'm going to come to you just like the Bible says to try to help you out of sin. And understandably, if you're not fully walking in the light of the word, that is a form of missing the mark. But when it comes to personal choices, and I know you've been taught the word, and I know you know what the word says, and I've seen you prove it and live it, and now you're choosing not to, you already know what you're doing is not right. So I'm not going to come to you and try to get you out of that without you ask, actually asking for help unless the Holy Spirit directs me to do so. And I've learned this from my pastor, and he learned it from John Osteen, who happened to be one of the best pastors on the planet. The Lord taught him, he said, you don't run to everybody, John, about their personal life. Unless I tell you to go to them, you wait unless they come to you. Now, if they come to you, then you can help them. And you know why that's true? Why, why should we wait? If people are in trouble, do they really know they need help? Sure they do. Most of them don't want it. They don't want it. Why do they need to come to you? I'm going to tell you why. Because if they're not coming to you, they're not submitting. They're not submitting. And so if, if they're not coming to you for help, they're not going to submit. That's why they have to be willing to reach out. You know how many times in my life I've needed help with stuff? I'll run to my pastor, man. Pastor, would you help me with this? Would you help me understand this better? Would you show me this? Why? I want to do it right. I want to do it right. But if, if, I, if I don't go to him, then it's obviously a sign that I don't really want to submit to his counsel to begin with. It's amazing how many Christians just do things on their own because they think they know more than their pastor. You might know some more, more things, that, more about, you might know about some things more than I do. When it comes to actually watching over your soul and shepherding you, you either got to believe God gifted me or he didn't. And if you don't believe he gifted me, go find somebody that he did, that you believe in. They're there for your protection. They're trying to help you. Can I get a better amen? amen? And then the last one, 6E, submission to leadership causes you to do what? Profit. Causes you to profit. 
If you do this in a way that's proven biblically, guess what? It will profit you. It will turn out good for you. I thought about this and I had this kind of challenge given to me one time, you know. Well, you know, you small churches really I don't think are that biblical because clearly if you were doing something right, you'd be bigger. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wound up with 11 disciples. The Son of God. 12, one was a betrayer. Uh, Children of Israel. Over a million people came out of Egypt. How many entered in? Two. Two. Oh, everything big's got to be God. Everything. All through the Bible, it was the smaller minority that honored God and did what God said. I've told you this many times. It's not one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's one of my least liked verses in the Bible. Jesus said it. Narrow is the gate. Narrow. And confined. The word difficult means confined. Confined is the way which leads to life. Zoe. And few will find it. Jesus said that. Broad is the gate. Wide is the way which leads into a destructive life. Sadly, many will go in by it. So you got to realize in relationship to life and how we live things out, your leadership as to whether they're doing what they're called of God to do or not has to be confirmed in your heart when you come here. It ain't based about numbers. It ain't based about numbers. Jesus started talking the truth, black and white, about obviously doing what we know was representing his body and his blood. And I'll guarantee what, lots of people walked away. And the Bible says, John 6, 6, 6, they left him and return no more. So understand, leadership does play an important role in your life. Amen? Amen. Powerful six things you can go through questions that you can find out whether God is directing you or not. Amen? Check your leadings. Check your leadings. Stand to your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.